Hello, and welcome to another episode of Time Extend. My name is Adam Ismail, and joining me today, as always, is... Brendan Norrison, and... Well, Adam, it's been so long since we've done an episode of Time Extend because of <laughs> fun, fun life stuff. But um, we figured we would try and get back into the swing of things right before Christmas, of course, um, with a, another free practice episode because... Let's be honest that there's been so many little things going on in our lives that having kind of one dedicated topic might detract from a lot of the, the racing game related stuff that we've been up to. Yeah, there's there's a lot to catch up on and uh, no, it's been a while since the last episode. That's never, you know, obviously our intention, but that's how it goes sometimes um, w- without without making the I mean, a, a good chunk of the reason for a delay is me because I, <laughs> I changed, I changed, uh, changed apartments yet again. I changed jobs, um, which I guess is something that I hadn't even thought of when I was taking stock of all of the topics that we needed to cover uh, just to get caught up. Uh, yeah, I, I completely forgot that um, a month ago I started writing for Jalopnik, so that's a new thing wow. that's relevant to the show. <laughs> Yeah, I would say so, especially given that um, the topics you've been writing about so far have been very, very time-extend-centric, to say the least. I'm enjoying every single article you put out. It's almost like an accompaniment to the pod. Yeah, thank you. Um, I mean, I I can't say enough about how awesome everybody at that site is. Uh, They just have such a knowledgeable and enthusiastic view of car culture and they're not like gatekeepers like there's stories about esoteric uh things about jeeps to the stories that i write about like fake racing game cars like these in-depth like motorsports stories like they just do it all so um i feel like they're they're a great home for stuff like you know time extended adjacent content because uh, anytime i've ever proposed anything related to a racing game they're just like yeah sure why not (laughs) well i mean i think especially now like racing games we've talked about they they kind of inhabit that same space as car culture quite a lot because of how realistic games are nowadays so it's very rare now that you'll have a car person who doesn't play games or so it seems anyway so i think clearly that that's a niche that you can fall right into and so far that the content's been great even today's article about fictional tracks like that's just a topic that's phenomenal because you can pretty much make a case for most of the major big hitters but there's also those tracks within games that don't immediately jump out that deserve being called out yeah there are so many comments on that story already about why rainbow road wasn't included (laughs) uh i don't know what to tell you I, i just didn't (laughs) <laughs> the, pro- the problem with Rainbow Road is that you can't just say Rainbow Road, right? You have to decide which Rainbow Road. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the conversations I've had with some people about that, they always go to 64, but 64 has to be the worst one, right? Because 64 had the, had the fence, so there was no danger. You couldn't fall off the track. Rainbow Road is about danger. I mean, yeah, in my exactly. opinion, it's it's about it's about the appearance of something that's very cool and uh, you know fantasy like and very exciting and nice, and then it's actually really hard and you fall off the track. It's kind of the whole. I point. mean, the Nintendo sixty four version in Mario Kart eight is probably 
up there, but the original one, like you're saying, there's just not enough danger there. It's Rainbow Road, supposed <laughs> to be the biggest challenge. Yeah, but it's one of those things, you know, any anytime, look, as we know, <laughs> anytime you uh, have any ranking of the best anything, um, yeah, it is absolutely impossible that people are going to uh, agree with you by and large, but that is... That is the content that that people want to see. They don't they don't want to see like, hey, these are just like some of the best, maybe kind of. They they want to know what your hand on heart serious take is because that just ups the stakes. And they just people just want to get mad. That that's how it goes. People just want to get mad. Yeah, definitely. The, the thing everybody <laughs> agrees with is the thing that's least discussed. So. Ultimately, if there isn't a bit of controversy in there or some niche picks, then you wouldn't get that feedback. So I guess you should be happy everybody screaming at you for not putting Rainbow Road. Look, I know the Time XM fans would agree because Mario Kart didn't make it out of the first round in our bracket. And um, <laughs> Seaside Route 765 is like in the top three. I won't tell you where it fish in the top three. You have to go read the story for that. But yeah, so so that all happened. That happened. Um, but there was also uh, there was also a console launch. Uh, there was also uh, graphics cards that came out that, that I procured one of them, um, which was a whole like kind of crazy thing in of itself. So I've been dipping my toes back into uh, Forza Horizon Four and uh, some other games. And and Brendan, I know that. Um, you've kind of reignited, rekindled your love affair with Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> yeah, um, I bought the Series X, so Adam went for the graphics card, I went for the, the Series X, and as is well documented by now, um, no real exclusives for that console, so naturally <laughs> <laughs> you go on a Game Pass and pretend to, to want to play games that you, you could have played this entire time. Um, one of those is just like you have to download it for the horizon 4 not even just from a racing game fan point of view but from a microsoft why can't you do exclusives well point of view as well i think forza horizon's one of the the few outliers that's kind of generally accepted to be great but i think we we've talked at length um but why we don't feel it clicks as well as the kind of mainstream media alludes to but yeah i've been playing quite a bit of forza horizon 4 just to just to see like what difference it makes not having those like ridiculous load times when everything's just a bit more swift because of that Xbox velocity architecture. And what I've realised is that I didn't realize I didn't actually realise first and foremost how much the load times bothered me because when I had Forza Horizon 4 on the PC, it was on my hard drive, so it was fairly slow. But on the uh, the Series X like you're you're talking when you first put up the game, which is the kind of notoriously long loading time. I think it's like a minute and a half, kind of typically, um, on a hard drive. Um, that's cut down to like thirty-five seconds. So right away, you kind of feel that if you're familiar with the game. But the the important one is the kind of in between event loading times. So I've started going through the kind of festival content that I ignored last time. For example, uh, Drift Club all those types of things and you're talking like four or five seconds tops between choosing the event and getting into it so it's like I'm firing through this story mode content 
and there's no kind of barrier to entry. It's so quick and it's just kind of made me realise there actually is a lot in Horizon that I enjoy when they actually try and force you to do certain things as opposed to just letting you do what you want and really it's just kind of hit home what our points were previously but I also will yield in the sense that as I've started to actually tune the cars a bit and that type of thing I've been able to find the driving model a bit better in terms of the incredibly drift heavy power first type way the game usually is but it's really hard to control faster cars I've been kind of putting a bit more effort into the game and I've been getting it back so yeah I've been enjoying it I still think it's um it's not really the perfect experience that many think it is but I do feel as if maybe I was a little bit harsh on it before yeah I think the issue that we kind of have with the game and that we kept bringing up is just uh just the lack of direction and that, and that's something that yeah. like new hardware is obviously not going to fix you just kind of have to push yourself to get over that um i i returned to it i think for a similar reason that you returned to it because i got the graphics card <laughs> and i just wanted to just check out a bunch of different games and Forza Horizon 4 is, uh, in my opinion, the best optimized PC game I've ever played. Um, granted, I've only really been playing PC games for like two years now, but it just it ran so well on my old card. Um, my old card was a 1070 Mini, so, so nothing terrible, um, but also not like the best of the best, uh, even when I got it and it was already kind of old. And... Um, Knowing that, like, it still ran pretty well, but once I upgraded this card, uh, I was able to pretty much max out all the settings and then just get like 120 frames per second, and the game looks fantastic. There, there's, certain, there's certain aspects of, like, the lighting and stuff that I always kind of felt was weird about Forza that is still true, and that doesn't really matter, like, no matter what you put the settings on, but um, it's just, like, really pretty, and it's just nice to drive around. Uh, I was saying to you <laughs> when we were texting a couple days ago that like I I I think I think one of the areas where Forza Horizon fails, at least four fails, is like as much as I enjoy driving around and as like, you know, sort of just uh like stress relieving that experience is. There's really no point to exploring, I find, in the game because, like, there's just not there. There's just no surprises on that map. Like, there's nothing, you know. I could drive around forever in a day and not see anything. Um, even when I started playing the game, I never saw anything in, on the map where I was just like, "Wow, that's really cool," or "That's that's really special," or, or "That really makes me take notice." Like, um, I remember totally different genre, but like when I played Zelda: Breath of the Wild for the first time, I just it was really hard for me to stay on task because all I ever wanted to do was just roam around because that yeah. entire world was so interesting. Uh, Forza Horizon 4 is not like that. It's just like, no. I mean, like it, it looks, <laughs> it looks nice, but like, there's just nothing, you know, once you found like the barn find, uh, garages and stuff like that, like there's really no point to driving around. They just, I just don't, there's really nothing there for me, but it is kind of that game that for whatever reason, I just, you know, I can come back to every now and then, and yeah, and and just and just kill time, and I won't play it for a couple of months, and I will again, 
And I think it's a testament to kind of what Playground has done in terms of uh, keeping that game supported. Uh, even even not so much with like big batches of new content because that doesn't really happen anymore because the game is so old. But there will be a new car in the playlist uh, every couple of weeks. Yeah. And they just had that Super Seven thing that I don't really <laughs> understand. But like they're they're updating the game with new modes. So yeah, it's just you know I I, I think it's just such a different kind of racing game to anything else that's out there that. I think the things that maybe we look for in a game like that, it doesn't have, and it's just more kind of like, like it might be in a weird way, it might be the most like servicey kind of racing game I've ever played outside of like say <laughs> iRacing or something like that. Because like, yeah, I'll just dip in and out of it periodically, and I just get my quick hit of like driving around, driving up to Edinburgh, and then that's it. <laughs> and, then, and I won't play a game for a couple of months, but it is it is very pretty. Um, and it's a great showcase if you have new hardware, for sure. Yeah, I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, Horizon's kind of like... I mean, I guess this is the whole point of the series, if you can, you think about why it exists in the first place, but it feels almost like a holiday. Like You go on to it and you're not expecting to have a frustrating time, you're not expecting to have kind of difficult racing. The environment and landscape encourages very kind of meh driving, there's no real challenge there. The events themselves are pretty much tick box exercises to keep you busy. And it's just, it's one of those experiences that is so much in contrast to other arcade racers that I think the reason that it appeals to so many people is also its downfall because it doesn't quite have that swagger or control of the genre that really makes something stick with you. The showcase events are the, the perfect example of something flattering to deceive. There, there's literally nothing there on those events aside from the initial kind of wow factor of racing a train or doing the Halo experience event. But it's at the end of the day, like it, it's just it feels like a very kind of directed experience that it doesn't expect you to be there for a long time all the time it just it provides a means of kind of escaping driving a shit ton of cars of varying quality of course model wise um and it, like you're saying from a games as a service point of view it's probably unmatched so i think the the interesting thing is i think a lot of developers want to capture what horizon has but i would argue that to make a game of that scale and pull it off so well that it still manages to be as inoffensive as possible is really only something that can be achieved by the most AAA of studios. Like, it's a very well-oiled machine that doesn't leave too much of an impression, but it, it always welcomes you back. That's how you end up finding yourself going back to it time and time again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's that game that's always there. Someone's always playing. and I mean, there's no shortage of stuff to play these days. Like, uh... After I got this card, like I said, I was playing everything. I was playing everything before that too, but like re revisited Project Cars 3. Um, was playing a lot of Dirt 5. Uh, got into WRC 9 a little bit, which I didn't play when that game had come out. Um, but I, I really I really like WRC 9. Um, I always kind of forget how much I enjoy those games until I go back to them. And I'm like, 
yeah, this is this is closer to what I'm looking for in the rally game. Uh, and Brendan, I know you're you're obviously a proponent of those too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's a. Uh, <laughs> I feel I feel like we're kind of going all over the place now in terms of topics, but, but the WRC <laughs> thing does lead into the biggest topic that we haven't talked about yet, which actually, on uh, the day we we are recording this, only happened this morning. Uh, I guess shall we go into it? Yeah, let, let's do it. All right. Uh, yeah, Electronic Arts is buying Codemasters. <laughs> J- just like that, just off the, just out of nowhere. Nervous laughter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, I, I don't think anyone needs us to um, recount the events that led up to this, but we all know, you know, for the past week we were hearing that we were hearing that it was going to be take two. Yeah. And then over the weekend, there's some, I think the Guardian, right? Was, uh, like had yeah, this, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere is just like apparently EA is interested. And then Monday morning... It's uh, is it a done deal? Cause like I saw that like EA put up the bid, Codemasters recommended it, but then I also saw that Take Two was like they're evaluating their options, which like I don't know, I don't know how that <laughs> so, works. I don't know if I don't know if Codemasters is still soliciting an offer from them too. Uh, so from my <laughs> understanding, um, Take Two fielded the initial bid, which was reported as accepted. That bid then went to the board of directors. Which surprisingly did not pass. Um, so there was a hiccup there, and then there was a good week or ten days where there was no news. So I'm guessing what's happened is, in between Take Two's bid being publicised, which was probably a bad idea on their part now, mm. I'm guessing EA's kind of ears perked up. Maybe they sounded out some people somewhere, and then for whatever reason, the Take Two bid get held up on Cody's side. Um, what's interesting, of course, like you've just said about the EA one, is that as soon as it was kind of publicised, Codemasters also said it had been recommended. Yep. So I, I don't anticipate... Like at first I thought maybe this was just Cody's driving up the price and then they still want to go with Take-Two. But the fact that Cody's have kind of come out right away and said we're recommending this kind of takeover suggests that it's now pretty much a done deal. I'm guessing Take-Two's considering their options as legal speak for how can we at least like have a court of fuck's sake Google's talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> no I don't know why it triggered. But anyway, um, I'm guessing um, what's basically happened here is that Take-Two want to see if there's any options for them to explore legal action. But who knows? Because that it's just an ominous phrase, isn't it? When a company yeah. says something like that. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, publicising that only... For it to get shot down, I, I guess I, I hadn't realized that it was um, it was not approved, and then that kind of left the door open for EA. Uh, it's so weird, man. Like I, I was saying in the Timing Sun Discord this morning that there has been so much potential for so long for a publisher like EA or Take Two to add. F1, I mean, especially F1, right? That's where everyone's mind always goes. But but any kind of racing franchise with an esports appeal that could be annualized in that way, there was so much potential there for so long that no one really seemed to care about or know this until a month ago. And then you have this crazy bid, you have Take-Two coming out, 
making their bid, that not happening, and then EA coming back with $1.2 billion, which is just oh. crazy. And yeah, I mean, where was Electronic Arts a month ago? Were they like, how long? <laughs> I, I want to know, like, where did the conversation start? You're saying their ears perked up, and I, I don't, I don't deny that. But like, I'm, I'm wondering, have they been trying to figure out how to bring this into their sports portfolio for a while? Because it just, it's all happening at least to us so suddenly, so quickly, um, yeah. that it's kind of amazing. I mean, this is a genre that, as long as we've had this show, whether you're talking about however you want to split the hair of, of arcade racing, sim racing, what have you. Um, this is a genre that we always kind of thought was like shrinking, was not, was not garnering mass appeal, was not yeah. uh, thriving. And now you have all this money coming in and it's very, it's very scary because we all know the, the reputation that big publishers like EA and Activision and take two have. And, that's why I laughed nervously when I said that earlier. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I guess it kind of has to make you feel like at least they see some, they clearly have to see marketability here. And, and I'm, it, it, it's this weird feeling of like, I'm scared for all of the reasons I've mentioned, but I'm also kind of excited because the idea that anyone would look at like the F1 racing franchise like that, I mean, Formula One games have, have been around for decades and, yeah, you know, an EA, no, nobody really thought to put that kind of muscle behind it. And it would be great to see it on the level of, of a FIFA, but I also don't want to see it be monetized to hell like mm -hmm. Ultimate Team. And that's, that's why stuff like this yeah. is just so hard to, to just parse out in your head. I think like... The, the important part is trying to break down why this deal happened. Um, the kind of the chain of events that leads to EA eventually being the winner with their first bid. It, it's interesting to consider, does that mean that Take-Two actually approached Cody's in the very beginning and Codemasters weren't soliciting a buyer? Because otherwise, why wouldn't EA have been kind of testing the water before here? Like, how often do acquisitions happen where a company just kind of puts their hand up and goes, yeah, we'll, we'll take you. Like, it doesn't work like that usually. It's more of a, a back and forth, and we'd never heard that Cody's were looking for a buyer either, especially given that they hold a lot of cards in the, in the genre now. Um, and then, obviously, like you said as well, Formula One is the, the, the thing that's at the very forefront here, because a 1.2 billion buyout is absolutely huge. I mean, for context, Sony bought Insomniac for $330 million, so when you put that into context and you consider the output that that studio's having, like they're making Spider-Man games and all sorts and that still wouldn't get you, well it would get you about a quarter of a Codemasters. Um, Formula One's obviously the big player here, but there's the WRC license as well that's going to be apparent, so that'll be another one under the EA Sports branding. Um, and then there, there obviously is Codemasters' own proprietary series. Is the elephant in the room is the, the potential monetization, and obviously with FIFA, uh, that's the thing you were alluding to, Adam. Like Ultimate Team is pretty much one of the biggest money generators in gaming. Um, people pay sixty pound for the privilege of paying two hundred plus pounds over a year and like trading card packs in that right. game, and. 
Formula One might not have that level of monetization possibility, but like it, this is it's all conjecture. Always is going to be because we don't have any inside knowledge. But you've got to think that EA's looked at my team this year and thought, well, they've done most of the work. All we need to do is bring it under the Ultimate Team mm-hmm. banner and put what they have to work because. Look, out of nowhere, like the Codemasters and the Formula 1 series, they put together this massive driver database in the game with all the stats, all that type of stuff. Like, that's that's pretty much most of what the job needs to be done in terms of making an ultimate team mode within a Formula 1 game. So, I just feel as if the, the kind of F1 2020, whilst being one of the best racing games of the year, is also just a few minor tweaks away from being a worthy finding a worthy home within the EA Sports banner and all the, the kind of warps that that could include. Yeah, I I guess I'm of two minds about this because on one hand I'm thinking like if they really just wanted F1 um, I had to look up how long Codemasters' current agreement with the FIA is. Apparently it's till 2025 and there's a two year option oh, okay. after that if they hit Certain pro- if Codemasters hit certain performance thresholds. So I guess there will be a possibility if uh, the FIA wasn't happy with how the game was performing that they would be able to back out of that deal. Um, yeah, I guess even if EA is eyeing Formula 1 right now, you're not going to say like, okay, well, we'll look forward to making a game that will be out in 2026. Like, that's... Games take a long time to make, but that's also pretty far out. I guess I wonder why, if EA wanted Formula 1 this badly, they didn't try and do this before Codemasters extended their terms. But then the other side of that is what you're saying, which is that Codemasters has done all the work. And if there's one thing that we've learned about sports games, I feel like, in the last generation especially... And this, this goes for racing games, this goes for any kind of annualized sports franchise. It is really, really hard to start from nothing. It's almost impossible to start from nothing. I mean, we've seen it, um, it it's happened continually to EA with the NBA franchise, which is, I think, <laughs> a, 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 what they are trying to avoid by buying Codemasters for F1 in this way, presumably. Because, you know, they... They let NBA Live languish for so long. They tried to come back from nothing. They made a game. It was so bad that they didn't even release it. They, they had shipped it to stores and then they canceled it. <laughs> uh, and then they came out with Live again after that. And it was it was horrendous. And I don't even know. They're not. I don't think they're making Live anymore. I have no idea what's going on. But just like they, they just like missed a couple of years and that was it. And then you look at um, baseball, which is... Uh, you know, obviously, I know something that the the listeners uh, to podcasts who aren't, you know, American or, or don't follow baseball uh, may not be aware of. But uh, basically, there was, you know, MLB The Show on Sony's side and there was uh, Take Two's, you know, 2K, MLB 2K franchise, which goes back to Sega, um, actually, before before Take Two bought that uh, that label. And... Yeah, Sony Sony got the exclusivity deal, um, at least for their hardware. I think I think that's how that went. And then uh, Take Two just kind of didn't keep up with it, and their games were performing so badly they just gave up. And now 
Sony's actually in the position where they're going to create the show cross cross platform for Xbox as well as PlayStation, maybe even Switch. And like that's that just goes to show you, like if you're not if you're not in a particular um, game, if you're not in a particular genre of annualized sports title for a while, it's just really hard to build up. And we saw with Formula One and Codemasters in the early part of the decade how buggy and just missing <laughs> yeah. and lacking things that those games were like like f1 2010 i remember playing 2010 2011 like for the first three years those games were rough because it's not easy to have all the rules and, and a high level simulation like that so yeah i mean it, it makes sense why you would just get the company that is responsible that that has worked with that franchise for so long, has worked with that license for so long, understands how to make it work year in, year out, and has already done all of the hard work hard work for you. Is that worth $1.2 billion though? And that's where my mind keeps going. Like it's just, <laughs> it is such an absurd amount. And if we're talking about the stuff that isn't F1, uh, WRC, I mean, that's really, I'm really excited that Codemasters has a WRC license. I can't wait to see what they do with something like Dirt Rally with with more of a, you know, fully licensed WRC push behind it. But, like, that's not going to be a huge earner, um, I would assume. I mean, I guess EA can't really figure out what wants to would need for speed right now, right? I mean, yeah. Ghost, yeah. Ghost took a big hit. Now it's going back to Criterion. That's supposedly still, you know... As, as they left it, so I guess Criterion's still working on that. It's just, it's hard to see what this means for both EA and Codemasters outside of Formula One. Yeah, I think, like, the easiest thing to do is to break down how many racing games that EA will have in its kind of realm now. So you've got real racing on the mobile, is that still going? Um, yeah, I mean, it's just being, real racing yeah. 3. I don't think they ever yeah, really... Cool. Same game, they just give sure. it your content. So you get real racing on the mobile, and then you have uh, Formula One, obviously, uh, WRC in the future, um, Grid, Dirt Rally. I mean, th this is just like a, a total time extend like type theory. But can you imagine like Dirt Rally ended up kind of incorporating the Need for Speed branding as well as Grid, like something strange like that? Like you had Shift. Like, yeah. what if it's possible it becomes Need for Speed Grid as opposed to Race Driver Grid? Who knows? Um, and then what else outside of that? There's an unannounced IP from Codemasters that they were recruiting for late 2019. I've not heard anything since then, so there's something else in the works as well. Um, Onrush is basically dead in the water mm. as far as being a series goes. So, yeah, I mean, that's... You're, you're missing, you're missing one. You're missing one. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> Project Cars. <laughs> Project Cars. Which, oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, which is which is gonna be interesting. Uh, yeah. it, and if you want to know why, listen to uh, the episode we did about Need for Speed um, with Casey, because uh, there there is, if you don't know, there is a history between slightly mad and EA, and it is not pretty. Yeah. And yeah, who knows what's gonna happen there? But it's just one part of this massive story and it's also a shame because I feel like Codemasters just figured out kind of what it wanted to do and be like there were yeah. so many years where uh, it, 
there was the early part of the decade where we're just kind of throwing everything at the wall. You had your dirt showdown and you had your F1 race stars. No one was really there for that. It didn't really work <laughs> yeah. out. And then there was this renaissance kind of where Dirt Rally came out, was kind of like a steam green light thing or whatever at first and was in beta. And it was just like, let's see if we can just, if we can make a racing sim, a, a rallying sim to the degree that we haven't in years because they hadn't tried anything like that since the Colin McRae days. And um, it was a huge hit. And then from that, you get Dirt Rally 2.0. Uh, grid you know isn't in the best place right now uh especially because i feel like project cars and grid kind of step on each other's toes a little bit but that may get sorted out f1 obviously is a huge success for them and then the wrc license license is coming in and they they finally had the um the clarity to do what I mean, I'd want them to do, but I think what a lot of people wanted them to do, which is to split Dirt Rally out from the core Dirt franchise yeah. and be able to cater to both, you know, the casual, the arcade, the, the, the wide net there, and then also the hardcore Sim Rally fans. They've done that, and they've kind of figured it out, and they, they you know... We both really like Don Rush. They, 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 they tried to give Evolution Studios that ability to create something new. They reacted in a knee-jerk way and that really sucks but that often happens with things that are kind of new and fresh and hard to market so i feel like they were almost getting to a place where they kind of had all their ducks in a row and now this is just i mean look it's it's making all of the shareholders happy obviously but i think if you're like if you're like <laughs> a, a, a product you know if you're if you're in charge of kind of uh handling some of these these different ip I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I mean, you know, how many... Does it make sense to try and inject Need for Speed into some of these brands? Does it, like... I think there was, you know, is Dirt and WRC going to coexist? Uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's just, there are so many questions. And there are questions we're obviously not going to have the answer to for a long time. Yeah, exactly. I think the, the important thing here is, I know it's easy to kind of get the doom and gloom points at this point, making it out to be the worst thing that's ever happened. Um, I think it's important that we we, ex we kind of use a bit of patience here, see what's going to happen. We know for sure, obviously, the sports games will be heavily influenced by the EA branding. But as far as the, the other properties go, th th this is an absolute clusterfuck of similar titles now, because if need, need for Speed, the next game is probably... Uh, I, I wish I had more faith in Criterion, right? But I imagine the next Need for Speed is going to be where Ghost was three games ago, in terms of what it's trying to do. And then that means Criterion will probably have to try and get up to speed with Need for Speed. But then if they've got the Codemasters developers there as well, then what happens with Need for Speed? Because if the next game doesn't hit the ground running, we know what EA are like with Need for Speed, they don't seem to have much patience at all. They waited until Ghost did a good job to say, you're done. <laughs> so, like, yeah. what does that mean for Need for Speed? A game like Grid and Project Cars now coexisting under Codemasters, fair enough. Is EA going to view it the same way? Are they going to be favourable towards the idea of having these two titles that, whilst not totally similar in DNA, share enough elements that might make them go, why are we investing in these two games? <laughs> like, they're pretty much interchangeable at this point. Um, 
it's gonna it's gonna be interesting because I don't even know what the relationship means for Slight the Mad Studios as well because if you remember like the wording around that acquisition was also kind of careful by Codemasters that they were trying to still imply that Slightly Mad were still kind of analog to the Codemasters operations. Does that mean that EA is also in a similar boat? They can't directly control Slightly Mad, or can they? It's it's an interesting scenario. Yeah, I I have to part of, part of my fear. I mean, I don't even know if it's a fear. I feel like it's kind of an inevitability. I think we're going to see a lot of these studios, um, maybe not a lot of these studios, but definitely maybe some of them just kind of move out of racing game development and tackle other projects yeah. which like um i don't think is i mean look it, it sucks for us but i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing i, I do wonder codemasters has made motorsports so much their thing now there was a time where they made games that weren't racing games and uh i do kind of wonder if there's any of that energy in the company but i hope that if that sort of thing is happening that the pitches and the ideas and the games are things that people want to make and not what happened to Criterion, which is now you're going to do Star Wars Battlefront. And that's just... Yeah, the dreaded Star Wars sentence. That's yeah. what I was thinking about in my head. Yeah, and that's, well. and that's what worries me. I, I think there's no way that Electronic Arts, I feel like, is going to have a, this whole wing of their company now with four or five different studios producing four or five racing games concurrently. <laughs> I feel like that's just not going to happen. So yeah. so I hope that whatever that some of those studios do are, are not just, you know, the shit that Criterion was put through and just the stuff where you're just like helping, helping dice on their next project that is, you know, is going to be a massive controversy because it's just a bunch of loot boxes with the Star Wars sticker <laughs> on there or some shit. You know, I hope that people are working on things that they're proud of. Um, yeah, I don't mean to totally contradict the doom and gloom comment you just made, which is correct. We should, we should, we should wait a little bit, but, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a mix of a lot of emotions right now. Yeah, uh, and rightfully so, because no matter what way you cut it, even as the most staunch racing game fan, right? <coughs> Between all of the different series is now that EA could potentially publish if things continued as is, that would make up the bulk of their output on like a bi-yearly basis. You're talking like five or six different fucking racing game series. Like that, that isn't going to happen. I just don't think the the alternative, if that changes, has to be negative. Um, I think we've always said, like with Codemasters in recent times, they, they did start out their groove a bit, but. Sometimes I feel as if there's a bit of a, a haphazard approach to seeing what sticks and not giving it enough time to try and stick. So maybe as long as EA doesn't strong arm it too much, maybe we'll see a bit more focus. I.e. Okay, um, if, if Cody's are in charge of project cars and they're also in charge of bid, maybe EA kind of makes the, the point about perhaps we need to kind of look at this and see what is the best way of doing it from a business perspective. And obviously we're just fans of games, so let's not get down that route, but we know a lot of the conversations that are going to happen as a result of this acquisition aren't going to be about making shocks too. It's going to be about <laughs> how can we maximise our investment, because $1.2 billion is a lot of cash, like you said. 
even including F1, that's fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, people keep saying, like, F1, F1. I get it. F1's a big deal. It's, I mean, not even just in terms of gaming, obviously, but just how much that sport has grown. Uh, everyone can agree is impressive, but that is a crazy amount of money. And we're talking about racing games. And I just, I never imagined a world in which we be talking about racing games uh, and, and $1.2 billion are flying around. Uh, it, it is kind of funny that, like, Codemasters is so... Without Codemasters, this genre is so small right now. You know, they <laughs> yeah. they do so much of the work in so many different lanes. Yes, their, you know, stuff is often divisive, but I don't think any of it's bad, you know. Um, I really like Dirt 5. I've seen a lot of people who really don't like Dirt 5, whatever. Uh, but this is a, this is really important because they, they make like I, uh, I was talking to my coworkers today and, um, you know, sometimes sometimes what we'll do is like because, you know, Jalopnik and Gizmodo and Kotaku are all under the same kind of banner. Uh, I think Kotaku had just had a quick post on it. And I was like, we should we should uh, share this on Jalopnik as well, because as I explained it. Um, yeah, the company that makes like seven out of ten racing games just got bought by EA. <laughs> just felt the need to clarify here. I meant seven out of every ten racing games made. Not that all of Codemasters racing games are seven out of ten quality. So <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's massive. Uh, and, and again, I guess only time will tell. I just hope that, um, you know, next year we don't see like all of a sudden the uh you know the the cover of the f1 box that we're all used to and that logo and everything doesn't become you know a carbon copy of like the madden box or fifa or something like that that's kind of <laughs> that's that's all i'm yeah. holding out for right now uh, i think like see as well like if we want to kind of look at it from the perspective of it's not just f1 i would also say on like kind of to strengthen that argument that it isn't just about that license that EA didn't seem to go after the NASCAR license, which would make maybe a bit more sense for the, for the American audience as well. I, I mean, in terms of popularity, I'm not fully aware, but I take it NASCAR would have probably been the cheaper and more safe. Like, it definitely would have been cheaper, but NASCAR, I mean, I don't think the interest and the money is there in NASCAR. I think oh, okay. F1 is exploding, and NASCAR, NASCAR really isn't. Um, I mean, that's all I could say. I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I think also if you see what's, yeah. what's going on with the NASCAR Heat franchise, I mean, that's in a similar place to where WRC was, and I guess still sort of is, though this acquisition changes everything, of just like you have these kind of smaller studios, smaller developers, smaller publishers working with these licenses, like motorsports licenses. Um, in the 90s, uh, and and the and the 2000s, you know, only a Sony was going to partner with the FIA to come out with a WRC game. Now you have Nacon doing it. You know, it's like the <laughs> yeah. motorsports. It's is such a niche thing right now in the world that you only have like these small, these like relatively smaller, like single A or double A studios doing it. Um, which is again why this is so fascinating. Uh, because it makes me think that like maybe there's 
more global interest in this than than we even realize. I mean, it's obviously there for F1. And look, I don't mean to I don't mean to um, uh, you know disparage any of those smaller teams working on games like NASCAR Heat and WRC and MotoGP, but uh, and honestly, the truth of the matter is, like a lot of those franchises don't really ever sort of those games don't really work out because they just don't have the resources and games are really freaking expensive to make these days, you know? So it's, you never want to say like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if EA just owned everything? <laughs> Cause like, that's not, <laughs> you know, that's not going to, uh, there, there are obviously ramifications to that too, but that's why I just find myself like, I don't really know what to make of it because it's great to see all of this, uh, interest being being poured into this genre that we love so much from a monetary standpoint, but obviously with that comes a lot of pitfalls. And uh, yeah, again, I just keep repeating myself, but the next the next couple of years are going to be pretty interesting to watch and and to see the knock on effects that this may be what what ripples ascends through the rest of the industry to other developers uh, to other publishers. Um, 2K, hey, there's there's got to be someone 2K can buy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe they'll make it a honest, midnight club. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll do that. I mean, you've got to think like Kunos as well with the Assetto Corsa Competizione stuff. Like they don't buy five hundred five at the moment, publishing wise. There's just that GT three license sitting there now that EA has some skin in the game. Does this start a a kind of a domino effect where people are like, well, actually, we want to get. We want a bit of this pie now because it implies that there's something to gain from the genre and I would argue that Gran Turismo and Forza's Monopoly in the past few years has really stopped a lot of more ambitious, heavily funded racing games being made. So potentially by EA biting the bullet and putting more than a billion dollars on the table, perhaps we might see some more moves because, I mean, can you imagine that Sony decided to get involved again and outside of Gran Turismo and like published some weird like racing game outside of that, something like Drive Club R.I.P. and just kind of brought a more exciting exclusive on the arcade side of things. Uh, Microsoft probably happy enough, but who knows? Maybe they fancy making a new project Gotham and <laughs> buy up a studio for that. I mean, obviously, we're trying to look at it from the hyper positive side and not the they just want the sports side. But yeah. I mean, who knows? I'm just happy that we have actual like games industry A tier news about the racing game genre. Which uh, who who seen that coming, especially in 2020? And that's what it is, right? And I mean, if we're gonna, yeah, if we're gonna try and be positive, you know, this will convince uh, somebody at Namco to make a Ridge Racer, uh, exactly, <laughs> Ridge Racer A <laughs> or something. Um, we're just, we're just spitballing here, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's exciting. Um, I really, I really don't know what else to say that, that hasn't been said already. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of, yeah. I'm still, I'm still, I'm still just kind of floored, you know, just cause yeah, I, I always I, think it's, I, I think, I think really it's because we've been, wa we've been watching this kind of happen for a while. I, I don't think, I don't think we thought like, oh, someday someone like EA is going to show up and buy everything. But, you know, we saw F1 growing. We saw the work that was being done and, and not, you know, when I say we, I don't mean you and I, I mean like us and, you know, fans in the yeah. community saw the work that was being done by 
the the Kunoses of the world and how iRacing is, you know, kind of earlier in this year, especially, you know, basically filled in for motorsports when the pandemic first hit, like we've seen it, we've seen it happening for so long. It's just amazing to me that, you know, EA and, and, and publishers like EA, they're so active in the sports realm, didn't realize it until 2020. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> and even even in the background, like through time extend, obviously, we, we've been able to talk to a lot of different people, whether it's through the Discord, Twitter, or guests. And we've always kind of heard those small what-if stories that obviously we would never go into detail about. And you get those little bits of, like, oh, this nearly happened, and you're like, really? And then something like this just blows the doors off of anything else, like, we've heard of in the racing genre as a whole, because a $1 billion plus dollar acquisition in the racing game genre just seems absolutely wild. But if it was going to be anybody, it was always going to be Codemasters, because they already had a minor monopoly on the the kind of the output when you think about it people were talking about Codemasters the way they're talking about EA today like yeah, say about yeah. a few years ago so well it's it's, it's a funny situation too because it's I mean Codemasters is a publisher and, and they're not a publisher on the on the scale of of EA or Take Two but they are big enough to have a bunch of studios they're all making games at the same time and then also be purchasing new studios and they had this genre cornered in so many different ways. I mean, in my opinion, Project Cars and Grid, having ownership of both of those is kind of like a... When, especially when Project Cars went to this kind of more arcadey direction that they did, um, is kind of like a... That is like a, a, an Apple move, you know, of like a, of, of the horizontal integration of like, well, we have us and then we have our next biggest competitor. Um, doing that with Dirt <laughs> yeah. and WRC is the same thing. They got the WRC license while they're, while Dirt is also still driving uh, or uh, thriving rather. Um, that, that is the path that they were going down. And, and so you have a big fish being swallowed up by an even bigger fish. Really. Yeah, exactly. One thing I will say, um, don't know if you'd like to take part in this as well, Adam, but I'm going to make like a random estimation or guess about what's going to happen in terms of the game output in Codemasters. Yeah, I think that I think, <laughs> yeah, Let, let's do it. Let's put it on record. Let's put our, our necks on the line. <laughs> I genuinely believe that as part of the strategy that might have been put forward in terms of Codemasters series is, is to follow a similar route where Dirt and Dirt Rally are. So you've got Dirt as the arcade game and uh, Dirt Rally as the sim game. I think Grid and Project Cars will end up in a similar kind of tandem nature. I don't know if there'll be a specific name change, but I do feel that Project Cars will actually default back to simulation heavy and try and capture a similar audience to Dirt Rally just on the circuit side. And I think Grid will fully embrace the arcade racing genre more than the kind of haphazard 2019 reboot did. And I also believe that there will be a, a standalone WRC game under the kind of usual EA Sports branding. So that's like maybe not too crazy, but I really do feel as if Grid and Project Cars could end up having a similar relationship to Dirt and Dirt Rally. So the Grid series could fully embrace some of the more kind of fun elements of circuit racing. Yeah, I I mean I can't disagree with you there because I feel like. 
and again, we we don't know anything, but I feel like that was kind of the direction that both of those franchises would be heading in anyway, because yeah. the pivot didn't really work in Project Cars' case, and I don't know what Slightly Mad is doing, but I feel like at this point, it, it'd probably be best if they if they tried to go back to about where they were with Project Cars 2. And um, Grid is... Grid has never been that. You know, Grid has never been a serious sim. Even when that franchise first came out, it was kind of like the... It was in the beginning seen as a harbinger of Cody's going soft, right? So, like, yeah, yeah, I I think both of those things are going to happen. I think this is definitely going to shake up something on the rally side i feel like if we were going to get if it was going to be a case of mainline dirt which is our which is which is casual at this point dirt yeah. rally nwrc those all can exist and honestly yeah. i don't know if there's a reason for all of those to exist i think especially for me dirt rally and wrc i don't know why you need two different games to essentially serve the same purpose unless they're really worried that w that like a a dirt rally game with wrc license is going to be too hardcore for for people who want to buy wrc game but i feel like rallying is such an incredibly like it's not f1 it is so niche that like I don't think that's going to be a problem for anyone. I don't think I, you know, I feel like people who are buying a WRC game want a serious WRC game. Um, yeah. So, so I feel like what will happen there is Dirt Rally will will be the one to lose out there, and you will end up with Dirt Six, you know, being a continuation of of what exists now, and um, and then the WRC games annualized. And I mean, at that point, you know, you could pretty much just slap a wrc sort of um uh you know window dressing on dirt rally <laughs> on what dirt yeah. rally 3.0 is gonna be right uh so i mean that's that's the assumption if that is the assumption if everything was supposed to stay on the track that we have understood thus far but that may not have been the case you know i mean Codemasters was surely having internal discussions about where they wanted to go with this stuff before they were purchased by EA. So <laughs> yeah. there, there's lots, there's lots of assumptions being made here. Yeah, exactly. And despite what many a Twitter idiot have said about Project Cars Three, like that was a game that wasn't influenced by Codemasters' acquisition. Like for all intents and purposes, SMS have said as much. Right. So it would make sense that they could potentially pivot back to a more realistic uh, title as well. Um, But I totally agree with your points as well, to be honest. I can see that happening very much. And the thing about Rally as well is, like, you can sell the nightmare of rallying. It doesn't doesn't matter that it's incredibly realistic, because it's one of the few subgenres of racing, I would argue, that normies will also enjoy, even if it is balls-to-the-wall difficult. Because there's just something so enticing about trying to kind of conquer a car on those tiny tracks that it won't put people off that it is isn't arcadey because it's a, it's a motorsport game. Yeah, so exactly. I think that I think that's the the thing. Like I remember, I think we did a discussion about this in one of the previous podcasts, and that was that was the idea. Like with Dirt Rally, once you've got WRC factored in, where does it go? I've kind of, initially I was exactly the same as you, like I genuinely believed that Dirt Rally would just be kind of 
absorbed into WRC. I've just got this weird feeling that WRC might still end up being a bit more accessible than what Rally offers, but I don't know if Codemasters are willing to let go of the, the kind of hardcore sim that, that Rally is, but we'll see. <laughs> There's a couple things here. I mean, one, you know, we're, we're making these kind of just uh, random guesses or, you know, educated, but guesses to the best of our ability. There's a good chance that, I mean, I, I would say it's almost a certain chance that whatever's in the pipeline now is still happening. So you're not going to see the effects of this EA thing happen. I feel like you're not going to see the effects of this happen um, immediately with the next release cycle. Whatever was already in the yeah. can or was going to come out in 2021 and maybe 2022 is still going to proceed as such um, unless we're going to see some kind of crazy like last minute like you know move across four lanes of traffic because now we need to pivot this into a into a market and the genre and the fan and the base that it wasn't previously entertaining you know which i guess is always possible and you're talking about a big publisher but um i feel like what, what was already going to happen is pretty much on track it, it's going to be the trajectory from here and and to echo your statements about just kind of hardcore rallying um <laughs> but friends of mine who are not racing fans at all not they they don't they don't care about cars they don't care about racing they don't care about driving or anything like that um they will dabble in dirt rally they are horrible at it but they love the idea that it is this <laughs> hardcore yeah. again you've heard a million times dark souls of racing <laughs> games right they they love the idea that it is so treacherous and so awful and so horrible and they will crash horribly and but, but they're also the kind of people that are like, they need the most hardcore of anything, right? Like, they will scoff at Dirt 5 because it's too colorful. And even though that's the one they'd actually be able to play to any sort of decent degree, they'd rather play Dirt Rally because they'd rather suffer because, I don't know, they, they somebody hurt them or something. I have no idea. But that's the kind of people you're dealing with here, I feel like, <laughs> on the Rally side. Like, I... Uh, I I think there is a general trajectory, not not just rally, but there's a general sort of um, desire. <sighs> I I think it's just sort of this this kind of masculine fan base, right? But just like everything's got to be so <laughs> hardcore, everything's got to be yeah. so serious, you know. Project Cars has to be the most realistic thing out there. Dirt has to be the most realistic thing out there. Obviously, you and I do not agree with this at all. And even having said that, you are the biggest sim dad I know at this point. So you still play all, you still play iRacing and you feel this way. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just kind of funny, the, the personalities you see out there. I mean, obviously it can get pretty toxic pretty quickly, but um, just seeing it amongst my friends is, is pretty funny. It's interesting. I think um, the birth of online gaming, like fully spurting into what it could be, and esports in general have painted this idea that you can no longer play games simply for fun. You play games to get better yeah. and to show that you have built a skill. And um, I think, like, it's funny. I think that as a whole, just in society, has become a thing where, where you had your work and then you had your free relaxation time. You now have your work and you have your like personal projects, so to speak, which take up a lot of your time outside of your regular day-to-day -day. 
but you feel as if there's something to achieve from it. And I think gaming is kind of, for some reason, moving more and more towards that, where it's like, how good can I get? How much can I prove that I have skill? Yeah. And racing has always been about that to a certain degree, like the racing genre. But I don't know, I feel as if nowadays, like, there isn't room for like something that we always make a joke about it. There isn't really room for a shocks because the physics aren't understandable enough to get really good at it, and that there isn't enough to gain from playing it. Like that's the type. But I think that's the reason that kind of specific, really arcadey game doesn't really exist anymore because it's it's too fundamentally not perfect for people to try and invest time into. I mean, it requires you to have this whole understanding of the logic of how this game works, and that is completely separate to the way that actual motorsports work you know like i mean that's yeah. i feel like that's a problem that that's what onrush faced right like onrush had a lot of great ideas but they were so foreign like that that it just immediately people were like i won't be able to understand this how how can i get good at the thing that i before <laughs> like you you un- like if if you watch a game of Rocket League being played and you're not good at it, you know what you would need to do to be good at that game. I, I can I can tell even though I lack the skills <laughs> that like yeah if I could fly a car like that um, and make those moves, I'd be pretty damn good at Rocket League. But you ask someone who's you know who's seeing Onrush for the first time how you be good at Onrush, and they're just gonna they're just gonna look at you mystified. Yeah. Um, this is this is why chances aren't taken. This is why stuff like shocks is uh, you know doesn't really happen anymore. Everyone everyone's trying. There was there was a time where everyone was trying to sort of uh, bleed this like kind of uh, just bring this new energy to sports titles with the NBA streets and stuff. A lot of it did come from EA, you know the EA big thing. But yeah, now realism is king. So. You know, those those days are kind of behind us, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe one day. I mean, we'll, we'll never get shocked to, I'm not saying that, but maybe somebody will come out <laughs> with some kind of crazy idea. Yeah, I think the issue is as well, like, first impressions are everything, and if you can't immediately associate with something, mm. then you're kind of moving to a death wish, in a way, because I think with Onrush right away, as soon as everybody plastered it as Motorstorm, the second coming, and then... Paul and team come out and say that isn't that, but right away people were like, well why didn't we just make Motorstorm the second coming? Yep. And I think it's the same, just in general with arcade racing games now, they're in that awkward spot where they still have to kind of look semi-realistic or something, and it's not a surprise what you were saying about some people with Dirt 5, because you see it everywhere in YouTube comments and stuff, this, this looks like a baby's game and stuff, and it's like, what does that even mean? Like, because it isn't trying to like, kill you for not keeping your tyres warm, that type of thing. It's silly. Like you said, I I really enjoy iRacing. And the reason I enjoy it, funnily enough, is because of the same reasons I enjoy some of the most iconic arcade racing games. Because with iRacing, I know exactly what the experience is trying to replicate and it commits 100% to it. I find it more awkward when other racing games that are still in that kind of middle bracket try and replicate something like iRacing because I just feel as if it isn't a good fit, with the exception of GT Sport, which nailed it perfectly. But like, when you you see every new racing game that's trying to emulate realism to a certain extent, have this complex like safety rating engine and all this type of stuff, and it's like, it'd be great if you could pull that off, but what are the chances you will? And then you kind of 
those games get a lot of criticism for kind of features that don't quite match up to what's out there. So, like in the case of iRacing, they whether people like it or not, they've got that down to a fine art and they charge well for it, for sake. But um <laughs> like arcade racing games, they're always at their best in my opinion when it's just pure distilled fantastic fun, much like Sega Rally nineteen ninety five. Yep, exactly. We there were other things we wanted to talk about, but that just kind of swallowed up the hour, didn't it? As as we should <laughs> really as as we we figure that might. Um, yeah, it's big news. It's big news. Yeah. We can't escape it. We always say there's something in modern racing games that distracts us from the real topics, but this one, I would say that it's justified because yep. it, it's going to change the face of most racing games out there now. This is the biggest thing that's happened since we started this show, hands down. I mean. You know, honestly, it's the biggest thing that's happened in the racing genre in a very, very long time. I mean, I can't really like. I, re- I remember, you know, I, I, we, we've been gutted to see studios close, and and their studios that were very important to us, whether it's Evolution or Bizarre Creations or Studio Liverpool, um, and those are very somber. Uh, but this, this is like on a scale that. Um, you know, obviously it's not closure too. It's 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 completely something different. But this is a, a, a something that's happened that's on a scale that is completely different to anything before. So, yeah, I guess I, I do I do wish we could have more time to talk about some other things. But I guess that's just how this one's gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think um, we really need to. God, we're getting closer to the 50th episode again. Um, but I think we also there, there's been enough like. There's been enough racing games this year to probably justify a, a racing game of the year type chat, I imagine. Not not the typical this is the best racing game, but just like trying to assess what 2020 has been like. Because for as much of a, a shit heap of a year it's been, generally speaking, on the racing game side of things, we've had so much variety like compared to previous years. Yeah, a lot did come out this year. Not Not so much the heavy hitters. Um, I mean, you know, Dirt 5 and Project Cars 3 were pretty big, but uh, just a lot of the small stuff, whether it's Art of Rally or um, Pacer or what have you. <laughs> so, yeah, there was discussion in that. There, there were some, there's some interviews that we've been, we've been trying to, to cobble together. Um, I guess not so much interviews, but, you know, having people, having, having guests on the show um, that you guys would like. It's just tough because this time of year, it's one of those things where it's like, in addition to it being the holidays, it's also uh, consoles are launching. You know, I, I Tom's guy decided I used to work for was like swamped as far as uh, uh, Black Friday was concerned because that's like a big a big thing for a lot of websites is like posting those deals on Black Friday and all that stuff. So like, um, everyone is busy and. Also, the holidays are happening. You're expected to spend time with your family. So whatever <laughs> yeah. was being planned for this year at this point, just going to happen in January or February, which is fine too. Um, hopefully we can do some kind of 2020 review, but uh, also have a, a Christmas cast. I mean, it's not going to, I don't think it's going to be particularly festive. It's just going to be that. And I'm going to put the Gran Turismo uh, <laughs> jingle bell song yeah. in the in the beginning again. Um, and yeah, just looking... I, we had ideas for episode 50. <laughs> you got to get cracking on that. <laughs> yeah, it's been so really long. Do. 
It's been so long. Oh my god. And they're pretty uh, ambitious as well. Yeah. So yeah. It's something we've got to try and coordinate and, and work out. I think if it comes together, it'll be phenomenal. But it'll be a it'll be a difficulty to get. <laughs> it'll be a difficulty. It's a shame, you know. Can't I can't just fly back to uh, Scotland? It's it's almost oh, been a year. <laughs> Me, honestly, the other day, um, I was out walking uh, with Daniel, and I said to him, like, I was thinking earlier on today um, about when I, when Adam came over last year, and then I realised that was this year, and it's like, <laughs> oh man, like, it just doesn't feel as if what time is real anymore. <laughs> right, I had my my first and only chippy, like nine months ago. <laughs> You did indeed, and I bet you're still tasting the grease. Yeah, it's still... I think, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to not get sick this year, but I think that there's something that has still stuck with me from that one Blue Lagoon run uh, that that is has really kept me down throughout the entirety of 2020, so... I apologize. <laughs> Alright, well... That about wraps it up for this one. Um, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, yeah, hopefully you'll you'll hear from us again right before the year ends. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening, guys.